0: Well, okay, we're in this series, and and we're in this series called Heroes, and so we're looking at the personalities, we're looking at men and women of the scriptures, and because it's Christmas, the next two weeks, we're going to look at Joseph and Mary. And so this week, we're going to look at Joseph, and we're going to look at his life, and how it applies to us, and then next week, we'll look at Mary's life. And so here's the deal, that, that God always calls a couple. He never calls just one, he never just calls the husband, he never just calls the wife, but he always calls a couple. And so God called Joseph and Mary uh, to be a part of his plan to raise Jesus. And so this week we're going to look at Joseph. And so if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. That's where we're going to start. And uh, and so we're going to look at Joseph's life. And Joseph was this, this guy that... Well, he was a guy that trusted God, but he was a guy that God could trust. See, so many times we talk about how important it is to trust God, and it is important to trust God, but it's also equally important that we live a life that God can trust us. That God can trust us with the time, the talents, the treasures, the blessings. He can trust us with His will. He can trust us with His plan. That we live a life in such a way that God can trust us. And Joseph was this guy that had this ability not only to hear from God, but he knew God's voice and he responded to God's voice. I mean, he discerned God's voice. I mean, it's one thing just to hear, but it's another thing just to hear and understand. There was a, a couple and they'd been married a number of years and. They went through a tough patch in their, in their marriage. In fact, as a last-ditch effort, they decided, we'll go see a counselor. So they went into the counselor's office. The, the wife, she was very hyperactive and very controlling, very talkative. The husband just totally disconnected uh, from the relationship, just disconnected from everything. And so the counselor asked the the question that most counselors ask, uh, what brought you here today? What issue brought you here today? Why are you here? What's wrong with your relationship? That that type of a question. And so the wife, being talkative, hyperactive, and controlling, just went off. And so like for 15 minutes straight, she talked so fast. It's like she didn't even take a breath. This is the problem. This is the problem. And so the counselor looked over, and the husband is like totally disconnected. I mean, he is so disconnected. He is so bored. He's like counting ceiling tiles in the office. Probably heard this talk thousands upon thousands of times, and he's thinking, not again. So all of a sudden, the counselor gets up from where he was seated, went over to the wife, grabs the wife, pulls her up close, and gives her a long, passionate kiss. Husband looked at the counselor kind of shocked. And the counselor looked at the husband and said, Sir, your wife needs this about two times a week. Husband looked at, her, looked at him kind of confused and says, Well, guess I could bring her in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> Okay, so sometimes we hear, but we don't understand. Sometimes we can hear and we don't. But Joseph was this type of guy that he could not only hear from God, but he could totally get it. I mean, he could totally understand it. See, Joseph was this guy that he got some news and he knew that this Christmas was not going to be a normal Christmas. See, Joseph was that type of guy that had his whole life mapped out and planned out, he had ambitions and he had goals. And he got some news this Christmas that he knew this was not going to be a normal Christmas. That all of his plans had just now changed dramatically. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, you know what, this Christmas is not going to be a normal Christmas. Maybe there'll be someone missing around the Christmas tree or around the table this year. Maybe there's been a loss of a job, or maybe there's been a loss of a relationship, or a loss of a friendship. Maybe this Christmas, someone in your family will be battling an illness or or cancer. Maybe there's some good things happening in your life and in your situation, and you have been blessed with a child, and, and this is going to be your first Christmas as a parent or a grandchild, or this is your first Christmas as a husband and a wife, and maybe it's a Good thing. See, Joseph was this guy that had his whole life mapped out and planned out. See, Joseph was engaged to a a godly girl by the name of Mary. And Joseph had a great job. He already had a home. He had his career. See, all Joseph ever wanted to do was just honor God with his life. He just wanted to honor God with every arena of his life. You see, Joseph was an unusual god. Joseph was this unusual guy. That Joseph was this guy that honored God with his time and his talents and his resources. He honored God even in his relationships. I mean, he's engaged to this girl, Mary, and they remain sexually pure in the courtship. They even remain sexually pure in the engagement process. And see, Joseph was this guy that was not a talk-to-talk guy. Joseph was a guy that was a walk the walk guy. I mean, he loved God more than anything in his life. And because of that, God was like priority, God was like first place. And he wanted God to be a part of every area, every arena of his life. And then Joseph gets some news to where he knows everything's changed. And this may not be a normal Christmas. He finds out that the girl that he's engaged to is pregnant. And you imagine his shock? He's been honoring God in every arena of his life. And he thought Mary was living the same way. When Mary and him finally had an opportunity to talk Mary told him that she has not been with another man and this pregnancy deal is somehow a god thing but can you imagine when Joseph got the news and we don't know how he got the news we don't know we do not know who told him but can you imagine the shock and the hurt and the disappointment and the betrayal When he realized that his plans have now been changed dramatically, let me ask you, how do you handle it when when your plans have been changed? How do you handle it when your hopes and your dreams and your ambitions and you have your life planned out, you have your holidays planned out, you have everything planned out. And all of a sudden there's something that comes into your life that is a game changer. How do you handle it? You see, there's a verse in, in 2, Timothy, is 2 Timothy 4 5, if you want the reference, but it's just meant so much to me in my life. And Paul is writing to Timothy, and Paul tells Timothy this. He says, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Joseph was that type of a guy. I mean, there's just something about us that that when when our plans are changed and when there's this game changer, when there's hurt and when there's betrayal, when there's disappointment, there's discouragement. Listen, in everybody's home, we need a hero. We need someone that is able to keep their head in all situations to where they don't become angry and bitter and complaining and all of those other things. You see, when I look at Joseph's life, and I've spent so much time with him this past week, that I have enormous respect for this guy. Because this guy was one of those guys that could keep his head in every situation. I want to be that guy. Then when we go through hurt and pain and difficulty, and we don't lash out at others and we don't lash out at God and we don't accuse and we don't become bitter, then we maintain our relationship and we trust Him. The Christmas story is found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what the Scripture says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man or a righteous man is what the NIV would say, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. His name is, 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 and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. See, Joseph knew the Old Testament scrolls. Joseph knew that God was going to come in the flesh. The Old Testament. Then he goes, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, for they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name I just want to give you three principles, really just three words, because that's how I remember things. They all start with those same letter R, so we know it's of God. And so I want to give you three words so that we can remember that if you want to be that person that is able to keep their head in all situations, if you want to be that person that God uses greatly in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in the workplace, in your church, in the community, the first one is this. You have to be ready to be used by God. You have to come to the point to where you're ready to be used by God. In other words, when you become a Christian, when I become a Christian, God's will does not happen in your life automatically. There has to be a desire in your life. There has to be a desire in your life because if you're not careful and if I'm not careful, we could live this life. And we may have a good life and we may have a great life, but you can blow this life and not make it count, not make it have any eternal significance Until you come to the place to you man, you're just ready, you just desire to God to use you. You're just ready to be used of God. See verse nineteen, here's what the scripture says. And so and her husband Joseph, being a a just man or a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, in their culture, when you were when you were engaged to dissolve the relationship, to, to to call off the wedding, it required a certificate of divorce. But the Bible tells us that this guy, Joseph, this guy kept his head in all situations. He was an unusual type of guy. Even in his hurt, his pain, his betrayal, he still cared about Mary. I mean, it was in his right to divorce her. It was in his right to tell everybody what she had done. And the scripture says that in his heart, he decided to divorce her quietly and not make it public. Because he didn't want to disgrace her. See, this is why he was such an unusual guy. Because a lot of people, when they're hurt, when they're betrayed, they want to make that other individual pay. They want everybody to know how bad they've hurt them and what they've done. But Joseph, what the scripture says, was a righteous man. Which simply means this, that he lived his life in such a way in right standing with God and right standing with his fellow man. Right standing with the relationships around him. Can you imagine his feelings? Can you imagine the hurt and the betrayal and the shock that he is going through? And yet... He desired more than anything to be used of God. He didn't want to do anything in his life that would prevent God from using him because Joseph was a man that God could trust. Let me ask you, do you desire to be used of God? What are your goals and what are your ambitions? What are your priorities? Because out of your priorities, you can determine what you value. What are some of your ambitions or goals to get married, get uh, get an education, get a great job? win the lottery, uh, retire in this economy. You know what? All of those are great things. And all of those are great goals. But if your number one goal is not to please God, then you'll miss the boat. So Joseph was one of those guys that was just ready to be used. The second thing is this. He was not only ready to be used, but he was receptive to God's voice. In other words, that Joseph put him in a place to where he could actually hear God speak to him and he hear God communicate to him. And Joseph put himself in a position to hear from God. Again, verse 20, just look at this. But as he considered these things, so, so he pulled into God, he pressed into God, he, he's reading the Old Testament scrolls, he's, he's life journaling, if you will, with God, he's spending time with God, however you want to phrase that, but he got close to God. And he's in that moment. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, in other words it was this picture that Joseph decided how he was going to handle this tragedy in his life. None of it was sin. None of it was wrong. Fact is, in their, it was his it was his right. And he decided this. He decided, I'll divorce her quietly. I won't do anything to disgrace her. In other words, he didn't make a... Well, he didn't make a snap decision. And all the way through Joseph's life, you see that where he, he just listened to God because Joseph was close enough to God that he could hear his voice and he could know his voice. See, the danger is that so many times that distance can cause us not to hear from God. doesn't mean that God's not speaking. I mean, we know that in earthly relationships, right? You know, every year on our street... Uh, uh, the neighbors' Christmas lights go up, and then about a week later, the Joneses' lights go up. And so we're usually kind of behind the curve. We're behind everyone. Uh, this year, I'm so proud of myself. I put them up in a safe manner, and I did not use my swamp cooler as a power source for the, the lights on the roof. So anyway, I'll explain that later. We don't have time, but, but it's just awesome. And so, uh, so anyway, I did it the right way. And so Karen was out there helping me, and I was on the roof, and she was down on the ground. And you know what? We had trouble communicating. It was hard to hear each other because I was on the roof, and the wind, and all of that other stuff. Cars going by, and she was on the ground. In fact, is there were sometimes I would just text her, you know, throw this up or this is what I need or whatever. There's something about this issue of being in close proximity that if we're not careful, that we can get far enough physically from each other that even though the other person is speaking we cannot hear them see that wasn't Joseph's life Joseph put himself in a position to where he was able to able to hear from God but that but that is not enough you see Joseph knew the voice of God in his life because he had heard it so many times it became familiar now, now some of you from a, that are younger than me you you won't This may come as a shock to you, but we have not always had caller ID. I mean, uh, young people, there was a time when the phone would ring and we'd have to answer it and just take our chances who was on the other end. (laughs) You guys remember that? I mean, it was a great day when caller ID came in, and we knew who it was. And Not me, but other people make decisions to send people to voicemail and stuff like that. And so, and so I remember the days. Remember that? I remember the days when the phone would ring, and I would just take my chances. And there were some people that would call, and they would have to say, Hey, Charlie, this is. And if you have given me their name. Why? Because I wasn't really familiar with them, and we hadn't had a lot of conversations. And I really didn't know their voice. But when those that were close to me would call, whether it was my wife or my girls or a close friend, a family member, they could just start talking and I, I knew who it was. See, that was, that was Joseph. It was not only that Joseph walked in close proximity to God, but he had heard God speak so many times through his word that he knew God's voice and he knew, he knew how to discern his voice and and Joseph was told, God told Joseph, not to be afraid to take Mary to be his wife. And you, you know why God told him that? Because any fear-based decision you make will always end in disaster. None of us make good decisions when we fe- have fear. And so God told Joseph, do not fear. And then watch this, in verse 22 it says... And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. You see, Joseph knew the word. He knew the Old Testament scrolls. He knew that one day God would come in the flesh and dwell among us. And it would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. That this would not be any ordinary person, but this would be God in the flesh, God incarnate, so we would know what God is like. It comes out of Isaiah seven fourteen, and it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's why Bible study is so important. That's why, that's why reading scripture is so important. And don't ever, ever, ever underestimate or talk down the importance of just opening up His Word and allowing His Word to speak to you and you apply it to, our, to your life. That's why life journaling is so important to us as a church. I mean, this last week in, in elders' meeting, before we ever talk about any church stuff, we always take the Word and we open it together and we life journal together. And so when we did that this last week, one of the elders opened up the word and shared a life journal verse and applied it to his life and said how it made a difference in his life, and he was talking about that. And before we moved on, another elder looked over and said, well, wait a minute, I I need to say something. There's a situation that I'm going through, and I have resolved in my heart, much like Joseph, I have resolved in my heart how to handle the situation. And the way that he was going to handle the situation, he told us it made, made sense. It wasn't sin. It wasn't wrong. And he said, I've decided how to handle the situation. But last Tuesday, I'm life journaling. And I come across two scriptures. And I realized that is not the best way to handle that situation. And here's how I'm going to handle the situation. And I'm asking you men not only to hold me accountable, but I'm asking you men to pray for me that I would honor God and honor his word. And that as I handle the situation as he is instructed, that he will honor that. See, that was the man that Joseph was. Joseph was a man that decided. Listen, I'm telling you. Joseph was a man that decided how to handle a situation. But God's word was an authority over his life. And when God spoke to him, he changed his course. See, for the man or the woman that God trusts is one that is rooted in his word, that spends time in his word. And man, he changed the direction of Joseph's life. And man,. Gospels tell us that Mary and Joseph were just so faithful in raising Jesus. And they honored him, and it was an example of of worship, and it was an example of love of people. And see, God wanted his son acquainted with his house and his laws and his word and people that loved his house. And, And you look at Joseph's life, and he was just so unusual. He kept his head in every situation that instead of worry, Joseph worshiped. Instead of panicking, Joseph was able to praise God and, and just, just pray. And when you and I come across those situations in our life where we think we're, we're over our head or, or we have fear, the reason that we have fear is what the Scripture says is because we have forgotten the promises of God or we don't know the promises of God. Because we never pull close to Him. We never hear from Him and we never read His, read his Word and... Man, the, the, greatest, the greatest example, the greatest head, heritage, the greatest legacy that you could leave your kids is to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To our church, worship is not an obligation. It's not because you have to. It's not because of, of what you're supposed to do. But there is a passionate, living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it bleeds over into every arena and every area of your life. Not only was Joseph... But it was joseph ready and was joseph receptive to god's word but here's the most important thing he was responsive to god's will in other words it, it's more than just hearing the word jesus said that the power of the word is not in reading the word the power of the word is what in doing it to where we take his word and we apply it to our life and in joseph with this type of guy he was responsive to and he was responsive to, to God's will. There are a couple of times. Well, man, there are many times in Joseph's life, and I don't even have time for all of them, when you start looking at his life and how he walked with God. And there was the first dream or the first time that God spoke to him, and, and he told Mary, he told, told him to take Mary home to be his wife and that she would have a son and, and he would be the Messiah. And you find that Joseph immediately took Mary home. Verse, verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. He didn't argue. He didn't lash out. He didn't make excuses. He didn't say, I I need to think about this. He didn't complain about it. Listen, Joseph was this type of guy that trusted even though he he did not understand all of God's plan. Listen, you will never do God's will in your life if you tell God, God, as soon as I understand your will, as soon as I understand what you want me to do and how it ends for me, then I'll do it. Listen, our real trust is not in the plan. I, our real trust is in God and God alone because, because he is, and he is able. And so it's so important to understand that we have to be responsive to his word. Many of you know, and I've shared some stories, but a few years back, I didn't have enough stress and frustration and in my life. So I took up the game of golf late in life. And so I started learning to play golf. And so this last season, I'm playing with a friend. And and he says, hey, you know what your problem is? And I said, you know, because when when you're learning to play golf and when you're crummy at golf, everybody wants to help you. They just feel sorry for you. And so... So this was it. And so this guy looked over at me and says, your problem is with your grip. Your grip is too weak. You need to strengthen your grip. You're holding your club in the palm of your hand. You're wearing your glove out in a place where it's not supposed to wear out. It needs to be more in your fingers. You need to roll your hands so that you roll your hands through the swing. And that's where you get your power, and that's where you get your distance from. And so I says, well, show me. And so he showed me, and I'm like, this is weird. I mean, I hate this. And so instead of hitting the ball better, I hit it worse. And so I says, and so I ditched it. I said, I'm not doing it. And a few weeks back after the season, I'm with a golf professional that is really good at instructing and teaching golf. And so he looks at me and says, hey, you know what your problem is? And I says, yeah. I says, no, what is it? And he says, well, it's your, it's your grip. And so he went through the same thing. It's You're holding your club wrong. It needs to be more in your fingers, not across the palm. You're wearing your glove out in an area it's not supposed to wear out. You need to put it in your fingers. And so I says, you know, I've tried that. I mean, it was just weird to me, and it just felt awkward. It was just strange. And he goes, well, Charlie, it's, it's an issue like this. I'll just tell you. Either, either you can't or you won't. Which is it? Because I know you can. I know you have the ability to do it. So it's not an issue whether you, you can't. It's just you refuse to. Guess what? The same thing is true in the Christian life. It's not an issue that you can't be baptized and follow him in believer's baptism. No matter what you say, it's just you, you want. It's not a matter whether you can't do what he has called you to do. Because he has promised that he is able. And he will go before you and be behind you and around you. And he will empower you. It's not an issue whether you can't. It's an issue that you just you just want. It's not an issue that you can't find time daily to read His Word. And no matter what the excuses are. I mean, people tell me, oh, I read His Word. It's too hard. It's too difficult. All this stuff. Listen, the Bible's written on an eighth grade level. Start out with a children's Bible if you have to. The Bible wasn't written to theologians and the Bible wasn't written to pastors. The Bible was written to people. It's not an issue. Whether you can't honor him in purity in your life. It is the issue. Listen, it's the same with me about golf. I mean, I mean, I wanted to lower my handicap and I wanted to play better. But you know what I was saying? I want to play better golf. I just don't want to have to change anything. Right? You know a lot of people are saying in the Christian life? God, I want to I want a, I want a better life. I want more peace. I want more power. I want more, I want whatever. But God. Do not make me change a thing. See, Joseph was this type of guy. He just followed God a second time. After Jesus was born, Herod felt threatened because people were coming to worship Jesus. And so Herod got, felt threatened. And he, he was going to kill all the babies under the, the age of two. And so another dream, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said... Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. And Watch this. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. See, Joseph knew the text. He knew. I mean, it confirmed what the word had already said. And you find that Joseph just... He immediately responded. Can you imagine the journey? Listen, man, this was before days of cars and planes and trains and all that other stuff. It was difficult. And Joseph, again, because see, God knew he could trust Joseph because Joseph trusted him. Another time, verse 25, but he knew her not until she had uh, given birth to a child. And and he called his name Jesus. See, this was so countercultural. In their culture, in their time, the firstborn male was always named after the death. They were probably criticized. With all the rumors going around and everything, they were probably criticized. And Joseph did not call his son Joe or Joseph, he called his son Jesus. See, Joseph not only led himself, which I'm telling you, Self-leadership is the most difficult form of leadership there is. Sometimes it's easier leading a group of people and telling them how they should live and how they should behave and all that other stuff. I'm telling you, whether it's your family, whether it's a ministry, self-leadership is the most difficult form of leadership. And Joseph, was a, he was a husband and he was a dad that led his family well. His family knew that he spent time with God. He spent time with with the Word. And they knew that Joseph wanted his life to to count. And Joseph wanted to steward his, his life. Well, how are you stewarding your life? How are you stewarding the time, talents, and treasures, the resources that God has given you? Because the Scripture says this, one day we'll stand before him, we'll give an account. You won't give an account for your sins. Your sins have been atoned for. Your sins have been forgiven. But well, we still will stand before Him, and answer. How did we handle our time, our talents, this life that He gave us? Did we manage it well? I mean, are you willing, and Are you willing to be used of God? Are you willing to look at things differently? You know, one of the reasons that I have enormous respect for Joseph and and the. The reasons are so many, but I think maybe I I was trying to come up with, what is the one reason that I, I just have such enormous respect for Joseph? And it is this. That when Joseph's life was falling apart, hurt, betrayal, all of that other stuff, he didn't lash out at Mary. He didn't tell everybody in town what she had done and how she had hurt him. He didn't jump into another relationship to show her. He immediately pressed into God. The people I have respect for, when there's a crisis in their life, when their plans are changed dramatically, are those that just immediately press into God without complaining and bitterness and all of that other stuff. I've told the story uh, a while back of, of my daughter Brittany, uh, our daughter actually Karen and I, and she had had several miscarriages, and we didn't know if she would ever be able to get pregnant. And uh, I still remember the the after at the close of one of our services, our whole family did what we ask you to do at the close of every service: we we knelt right there, and we prayed, and we asked God for our grandson and for a child. And there were a lot of tears. And we felt like God gave us a promise. Brittany became pregnant, and the day came of the delivery, and we were so excited about that day. You know, we had a lot of plans and dreams and what that day would look like. You know, what it, and so uh, the delivery came, and I was outside, and, you know, I, w- I would encroach on the... I'd come across the hall and try to listen to the door, and the nurses and the doctors say, you need to move back HIPAA and all that other stuff. And... Uh, and so when the delivery got really, really close, when the birth got close, we knew something was wrong. And all of a sudden, you saw the NICU nurses come in, and you could tell by the different colored uniforms, and they brought a cart in, and, and, and so all of that other stuff. And then we could hear Gavin cry, and so Karen was in the room, and, and Corey, my son-in-law, came down the hall, and the nurses are pushing the cart, and Gavin's in that cart, and the nurse says, you can't touch him, you can only look at him. Uh, but we can pause for just a second. He was so ashen gray, and all these cables and tubes and everything hooked up to his little body. And, and you know, and you're thinking, this isn't how we planned it. I Maybe mean, this this isn't at all how we planned him going to NICU. And so uh, they went on down the hall, and I, I never will forget this. I, I walked into the room, and as I swung open the door, I, I could hear my daughter, Brittany, sobbing. I mean, some of the, some of the deepest sobs that I've ever heard her. And so when I came around the curtain, I saw my wife, Karen, in bed with her. And she took she had taken the, uh, the back of Brittany's head and pressed it into her chest. And she wrapped her up. And I heard my wife praying over her and claiming promises and claiming scriptures and praying for Brittany and praying for Gavin. Listen, let me tell you something. We live in a day and time. When people are saying reading Scripture and memorizing Scripture is old and outdated and worthless. I couldn't disagree more. That when you can come in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of difficulty, and you're able to take and to know those promises and just, just start claiming those promises and praying those promises, I'm telling you, it will change your life. Can you imagine what would have happened to Joseph if when, Mary, when he found out Mary was pregnant, he lashed out at Mary, he ditched Mary, he lashed out at God, he ditched God, he was bitter, he was angry, and he said, God, I will never trust you again, I will never follow you again, can you imagine what he would have missed in his life? Can you imagine what you will miss in your life if you just don't follow him and just obey him? My prayer for you this Christmas is that you would find time just to pull away and get with Him and hear from Him. One of the verses that I use before I start my time is Psalm 62.8. And it goes goes like this. It says, just trust in Him at all times. Oh, you people, pour out your heart to Him. Why? Because God is a refuge for you. To where you pull away and you get with Him. And you claim that verse. I do every time. And you give him every thought, you give him every concern, you give him every worry, you give him every fear, you give him every emotion. And you're able to know the promises and hear him say, fear not, because when we're in fear, we'll make poor decisions. To where you hear him say things like, I am with you, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I go behind you, I go behind you, I go in front of you, I go to the side of you. I cover you up with my wings. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. What? Is with you wherever you go. And with my help, we will get through this. I'm telling you, it is a game changer. What do you give someone for Christmas that already has everything? You give them time, right? Have you ever thought about this Christmas, giving God your life? and you never accepted him before in your life, and say, God, this this Christmas, I'm going to ask you to come into my life, forgive me my sins, and I'm going to start a journey with you. Maybe you've already done that. But maybe you're withholding some areas of your life. Maybe you don't desire to be used. Maybe, Maybe this Christmas, God, I give you my life. I'm ready to be used. I'll be responsive to you. I'll be receptive to you. I want you to use me.